This morning we invite you to the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to read the first 14 verses for your hearing this morning. Romans 6 verses 1 through 14. Apostle Paul is a writer. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of his Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of these verses here this morning. The Apostle Paul has set before the saints at Rome in chapters 1 through 5 the teaching of justification by faith. He has declared the good news of forgiveness and acceptance with God entirely through the substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. All of it being of grace. Of grace. As we come to chapter 6, Paul deals with the subject of the Christian's relation to sin. The Christian's relation to sin or the question of what about sin after one has become a believer? What about sin after one has become a believer? What about sin after one 
becomes a Christian. Do Christians sin? There are some who might tell you that they don't sin. But we know from Scripture, as Scripture indicates differently. John in writing to believers in 1 John writes, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John was writing to believers in Jesus Christ and he tells them, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That brings up another question. That is the first question. Can a Christian lose their salvation because of sin? If Christians do sin, which we know from Scripture that they do, can a Christian lose their salvation because of sin? John writing again to believers in 1 John Chapter 1 writes, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're told in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Note, Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The one who is a believer in Jesus Christ, He has everlasting life. Or she. If he or she sins, do they lose their salvation? Do they lose eternal life? No, John tells us there in his epistle, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, Christians do sin. Christians are not perfect. No, Christians do not lose their salvation because they sin. This brings us to the third question that I would propose. What about one who professes faith but he or she lives an immoral life? Can one believe that they have eternal life and will go to heaven? if they continue to live an immoral life after making a profession of faith, if they continue, if they persevere in that of sin, that sin is predominant, it is the predominant character of their life, Sin, it would seem, has a 
mastery or a dominance, dominant power in their life. John again writes in 1 John, that first chapter, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Note, John writes, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. One cannot say that they have fellowship. A relationship with God and walk Walk in darkness. And the idea there is a continual walking in darkness. It's in the present tense, which is an ongoing process. It can be translated that way. Well, again, the question... What about the Christian and sin? What about grace? I thought God was a gracious God. He is. He is a gracious God. I thought salvation is by grace. It is by grace. Didn't Paul write where sin abounded and grace did abound much more? Yes, he did. Doesn't that mean that grace increases the more that we sin? And so, doesn't that mean that we can sin all we want to and grace is going to take care of it? Doesn't it mean that we can live however we want to live? Because if we sin, that's only going to make grace to increase and that's only going to glorify God, right? How terrible. But I would say to you that there are those who do believe that very thing. They believe that they've been saved by grace and now it does not matter how that they live. They can live as they please. They can sin and sin and sin all they want to. But oh, God is gracious. He, he will be gracious when the end comes. Paul wrote to Titus and he said, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteous, and godly in this present world. Paul, in writing to Titus there in that epistle, he says, grace 
Grace teaches us something. What does it teach? He says it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. That we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. <clears throat> this brings us to our subject this morning. The Christian's relation to sin. The last question that we just considered, what about grace? This question brings us to our text this morning. Paul was anticipating, anticipating the question about what he had just written. A couple weeks ago, we considered chapter 5, verses 20 through 21, where Paul writes, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now it's upon that of what Paul has written in these last two verses that we enter into chapter 6 and we have the Apostle Paul asking the question, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? What shall we say to what? To what Paul has just written with regards to the law. What Paul has just written with regards to that of sin increasing in grace, abounding much more. Someone looking at what Paul has just written, possibly, which he knew, could come up with the idea, well, Paul, if what you say is true, then really, I can just live as I want to because I'm not under the law. I can, I can do whatever I want to. What shall we say then? Paul makes clear what he is referring to in the next question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we remain? Shall we reside? Shall we continue living in sin as we have been in that of our past? For that is our past. That of living in sin. That of walking in sin. Paul, you said the law entered that the offense might abound or increase, but where sin abounded or increased, grace did much more abound. That, with this purpose, as sin has reigned into death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. 
God's grace is, is displayed more and more by me sinning. Shall we not continue in it? Well, we don't even have to look at verse number 2 to know what the answer that Paul gave, do we? We've probably heard it over and over and over. God forbid. God forbid. Now, we would just stop here and say to you that in later translations, this is translated by no means. May it never be. Certainly not. Actually, in the Greek, God is not there. The Greek word for God is not there. But what Paul is doing here is, is he is declaring no, no, no. By no means let this be. King James translators decided to translate it, God forbid. Doesn't matter how you, you translate it, you get the message. That's his first answer. His second answer comes to us in a form of a question. And that question is, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He answers the question with a question, but the question itself gives us if you look at the question closely, it gives us an answer that we need to focus in on. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And what I want to draw your attention to here is the words dead to sin. Dead to sin. Later translations translate this, how shall we who died to sin? We who died to sin. Speaking of that of a past thing. Something that took place in the past. You know, in, in the King James, it's how shall we that are dead, present tense, are dead, to sin live any longer therein. Dead, died to sin. What does that mean? What does it mean that we died to sin for the believer? From the book of Ephesians chapter 2, I invite you to turn there with us. And while you're turning there, we would just say to you that most commentators indicate that 
This chapter is one of the hardest chapters as far as interpretation. And if you read the commentators, you find, you know, you think reading commentators that would give you, you know, some understanding. But when you have 50 different views presented to you, <laughs> you say, well, which one? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, Paul here is writing to the saints at Ephesus. But here in chapter 2, in the very beginning, he speaks of their past and what God did in their lives. He says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust or the desires of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. You note here in these verses that we have the phrase dead in sin. Dead in sins. And you have a quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. What does that mean? We got dead or died to sin over in Romans chapter 6. Here we have dead in trespasses and in sins. Well, as we look here in Ephesians chapter 2, where we are, he says in verse 1, You have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins, wherein in times past you walked that is, you walked in those trespasses and in sins. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Paul here paints a picture of these Ephesian saints and that of their past as ones, as ones who walked according to the ways of the world, the evil world. They were of the world and they walked according to the world. <laughs> according to the prince and the power of the air, the children of disobedience. In other words, Paul tells these Ephesian saints, 
You were under the authority. You were under the power of the prince and the power of the air. And who is that? None other than the devil. You were children of disobedience. Disobedient to God's word, God's commands. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past and the lust, the desires, the evil desires of the flesh. The lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together, made us alive. They were dead unto God, but they were alive, beloved, unto the world. And out of sin, out of trespasses, they were living in. They were, they were, they were walking in sins. And trespasses. And they were doing it, beloved, because they were enslaved. They were enslaved to sin. Dead in trespasses and sins. Well, we come over here, back over to chapter 6. We still haven't answered that question. What does it mean to be dead to sin? Well, if dead in trespasses and sins means that one was walking according to this world, this evil world, that they were walking in trespasses and sins, if they were walking under that of one who had power over them, in other words, they were, they were enslaved, What could we say about the opposite of it? Could we not say that the one who has died to sin, that his death to sin has something, speaks something of that of his enslavement, enslavement being taken away? That the walk of the one who is dead, who has died to sin, is going to be different from that of walking in trespasses and in sins. What did John tell us? John told us that God is light and in him is no darkness. And he says, if you say that you walk in the you have fellowship with him and you walk in darkness, you lie. You lie. The one who has died to sin. He's not one who walks in darkness. And as we said earlier, the idea there is, is that walks in the sense that darkness has mastery over them. Evil has mastery over them. Sin has mastery over their life. Now let's look at our passage here and in so doing I want to very quickly just draw your attention to that of 
verse 21 of chapter 5. Paul wrote, Moreover, the law entered the offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace did much more abound. That, or in order that, as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to draw your attention to what Paul speaks of here when he says sin reigned. And sin has reigned. And then he goes on to say grace reigned. What does Paul mean here? Well, we'd say to you, as we told you about a couple weeks ago, grace and sin here are personified by Paul. They're set before us as kings. King, sin. King, grace. A king has that of a domain, that of a realm. And those who are in that domain, those who live in that realm, they are under the authority. They're under the power of the one who reigns. And beloved, every man and woman born in this world, he's under, they're under that of the reign of sin. That's what Paul tells us over in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 12. He says, Wherefore is by one man sin in the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law of sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is a free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by the one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. Sin and death reigns over those who are born into this world. But those who are justified by faith, grace through faith, who are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, who are delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ, they're no longer in that realm. 
They're no longer in that domain under that king anymore. For they have been delivered. They have been delivered. <coughs> they have a new king. They have a new Lord, a new master. Paul says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? It is an impossibility for the one who is a child of God. I get this clear. That's what I'm saying. It is an impossibility for the one who is a child of God to live, to continue, to persevere in sin. You say, well, Brother Steve, you just said, didn't you say that Christians aren't perfect? I did, and they're not. The issue here, beloved, is not that of one's, one who sins. The issue of sinning. The issue here is, is that of persevering. Continuing. Residing in that way. The reason why I say to you it is an impossibility because, beloved, there has been a change that has taken place. And that change, beloved, Jesus, in speaking to Nicodemus, said, you must be born again. You must be born from above. Paul said, any man that is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. A new creation in Christ Jesus. He, sin no longer is his master. Jesus is his master. I don't go off and say that Brother Steve believes that Christians, that they don't sin. Because I've, I've talked about that already here today. We do sin. But sin, beloved, it is not our master. It is not that of our master. Know what Paul goes on to write later on here in the chapter. In verse number 11, he says, Likewise, reckon yourselves also in self, yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign 
in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under law, but you are under grace. You see, the difference, beloved, is that of the grace of God. We think of grace, we think of the favor of God, and truly, grace is indeed the favor of God. But there's more to that of the grace of God than just that short definition, beloved. Sin is also a power, and beloved, as a power, it changes lives. And beloved, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ changes the one upon whom it is bestowed. Oh, in some cases it is an amazing change, a great change. In the lives of others it may not be as drastic as and like that of others. But beloved, there will be a change. There will be a change in that of the life. Paul says, how? How shall we that have died to sin live any longer therein? Oh, there will be falls. There will be trips. As far as tripping in this life, still have this old sinful flesh. We'll still do things that we ought not to do. But what Paul here is dealing with is that of sin having the mastery over one's life. And he's telling us here in these verse and in, in this verse that the one who is indeed a recipient of the grace of God, sin will not be that of the master of that life. No beloved grace. Grace will be what will be in that life. And that life will be changed. In verses 3, 4, and 5, and even later verses, Paul is going to further explain He's going to further expand upon that of his statement here. How shall we that are dead, dead to sin, live any longer therein? What is the relationship, relation of the Christian to sin? Dead to sin. Dead to sin. That does not mean that Christians don't sin. I'm going to say that again. Christians do sin and they will sin. But sin will not be their master. Sin will not 
be dominant will not be have mastery over their life because God has changed God has made them anew God has placed within them that of His grace which is a power that changes. I ask you in closing this morning in your experience have you died to sin? Has God saved you? Has God worked in your life? Has God made you anew? Are you a new creature in Christ Jesus? Do you have that of a new master? Is the Lord Jesus Christ your master, your Lord? Or are you still under the reign, the rule, the dominance of King Sin? rather than that of the King who is the King of Grace, the Lord Jesus. Let us stand on the back of your bulletin. We have an old hymn. Are you washed in the blood? Father, we uh, 
pray that we might uh, live as those who have been baptized, uh, who have uh, been united to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, Lord, may this be our experience, and uh, Lord, we uh, thank you for uh, all this uh, work that has been done graciously uh, in our lives. Father, now we uh, do pray you would bless Debbie and Dan as they travel. May they uh, travel quickly and safely. Bless them, their family, while they visit. Uh, Lord, do bless uh, Sarah. We pray, continue to pray that you would work in her life. Uh, Lord, do bless the gospel. May it have a great effect in our lives and the lives of those we love. Uh, Lord, may the good news go to the ends of the earth. Father, all this we pray and we seek your uh, blessing, Lord, your fellowship as we walk throughout this coming week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Good morning. <coughs>